you, God. You're worthy. You're worthy. I'm not going to lie to you, Daniel. When you sang that song, I broke down and started crying because I still remember that day in the auditorium when Pastor was preaching and he did an altar call and um, Minister Tony, I think it was, was singing and he sang that song. And I remember I walked down and my whole legs was like shaking like this. It looked like I was doing a dance and um, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I remember that was a song that that brought me to Christ. Amen. So to this day, I'm like, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my Woo. That never changed. Forever will. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a round of applause. Woo! He is good. And I am ready to bring the word of God, so let's bow our heads. Let's pray, Lord, as we begin to get this word ready, God. I just pray that the hearts will begin to soften, the ears will begin to listen, God, that your spirit will come in, that you'll touch your people, God, that I will get out of the way, that you'll fill me up with the anointing, God, that you want me to, how you want me to say, what you want me to say, how you want me to do it, and when you want me to do it, God. I am in complete obedience with you, Lord. So right now, I pray that you'll take over this service in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated in God's house. Hallelujah. Now, I am going to piggyback off of what Pastor was speaking about before he went on vacation. Um, Pastor was talking about how you need to take a step. Take a first step. Take a step. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, take a step. I mean, that to me is the number one way to rebuke the devil out of your life. Amen? When you take a step, it's basically saying that I don't care about my insecurities. I don't care about my lacks, my degrees, my wrongs, my rights. If I take a step, then I'm choosing to move forward regardless of what the past looked like, regardless to, to, to what I've been through, regardless to who my friends are, regardless to who left me or who didn't want me or who called me ugly or who said that I was accepted or who didn't say I was accepted. The point of the fact is that when you take a step, you're choosing to move forward. And I believe that Calvary is in a season of moving forward. Ever since Pastor preached that word, ever since he preached that word, my life has been going through so much transition. Oh, it's even hard just to say the word transition. How many of you guys are going through a transition? Oh, my God, I'm in the right house this morning. Wow. God began to speak to me. And as, and as I began to pray, and I said, God, I want to be aligned with what my pastor is saying, what the head of the house is saying. Give me a word that's going to be able to be transparent to the season that I'm not only in in my life, but also to the season that Calvary's in. Because I would hate to say a word that's just for me. I want to say a word that's for everybody, that everybody can receive something out of this, right? So God gave me an image of a donkey. I know, I know, a donkey. So at first, I go to the same story that you guys were thinking about. You guys probably were thinking about the donkey that Jesus rode on. Okay, you guys are really good historians and theologians. And the hood dudes is like, yo, this dude's about to talk about a donkey, bro. <laughs> what I was thinking about and what God put in my spirit was actually the donkey uh, from, from Balaam. And, and, and the donkey from Balaam, I don't know if you know too much about the story of Balaam. 
but this is not what my preaching is about. This is how God brought me to this scripture. And this is how I knew that God was in a season of speaking to his body about transition. And how when you're going through a transition, adversaries begin to rise up against you. And battles begin to come up against you. And people begin to come up against you. And jobs begin to not want you anymore. And relationships begin to crumble. And as you begin to realize, you, 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 not only, you don't, probably don't want to go into a season of transition, but, but God is putting you in that season of transition. Because God has spoken the word over your life. Since the day that you were born, God said something about you. When you were birthed into this world, God said, I'm going to bring you into this world for such a time as this. In May 20th, 2018, it's the reason why Nate Medina's alive. Victor Nazario is the pastor. Elder Ross is the elder. Minister Mickey's the minister at Calvary Christian Fellowship. The reason why you're here today is because there's purpose in your life. Because if there wasn't purpose in your life, then why would you be here? The reason why you're here is because God is trying to tell you something. You are in a season of shifting. You're in a season of things that used to be normal are not normal no more. You are in a season of things that you used to be comfortable with, you're not comfortable with it anymore. Things that you used to be okay with, you're not okay with it anymore. Just because you went through it and you knew your whole life was about that doesn't mean you have to stay in that place. God is getting ready to transition you into a brand new season. Now, your season might be on the outside world where you might get signed to a higher label. Your season might be within the ministry and you begin to pray harder, seek harder, praise harder, worship harder, and stop being timid and stop being scared. Your season might be in a season of relationship where you might have found Romeo. Or you might have found Juliet. I remember that season, Pastor. <laughs> Woo. We're not talking about season of release, but amen for that season, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me stay on course. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for marriage. Oh, man. Listen, I am ready to preach this word. So listen, you are in a season nonetheless. You are not the same from when you came out of your mother's womb. You can't say the same things that you were doing when you were a baby, you're doing now. I look at my son and I looked at Michaela when she was born. My son can't even say da-da yet. I'd be like, say da-da please one time for me, da-da. We have a $50 bet in the Medina house. Whoever's name he says first wins $50. So every single day I come home from work, I'm like Malachi, you're my boy. Da-da, da-da. And he does the total opposite of, well, I don't know what that means, but we're getting there. Amen? Somebody say progress. progress. So since you came out of your mother's womb, there has been progress. The things that you used to deal with, the things that you used to battle with, they might still be bothering you. They might still be there, but you're no longer struggling in the way you used to struggle with those things. I mean, when I think about weed and now I can smell it and I don't get the urge of smoking the blunt anymore. I can look at a backwood and I get the urge of rolling up an owl. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I, I lived a real life. I'm not just going to be up here talking Christianese. I'm trying to change lives. I'm trying to make sure that you understand that God is a real God and he's alive today. And if you give your life to him, he can change you regardless of the situation that you're dealing with, regardless of the struggles that you have. You, listen, God changed prostitutes. He dealt with people that backslid before. He dealt with people that was, that was with AIDS and healed them. God can heal you. If you give yourself onto him, he can change your life forever. 
So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that the things that you used to battle might be there, but they're no longer killing you the way that it used to kill you. It's no longer, you're no longer struggling the way you used to struggle with those things, right? My son might not be able to say da-da, but pretty soon I'm not going to be able to stop him from talking. And that's the thing. When you come to church, you might come to church as a baby and not understand what's going on right now, not understand fully what the pastor is preaching. But the only thing you got to keep doing is keep coming. Let God nourish you. Let God, let God protect you. Let him hold you because there's going to come a season where you become dangerous in the kingdom of God, where you can stand on your own, where you can pray harder, where you can worship harder, where you can seek harder. But the thing about it is if you give up now, you'll never be able to see what God can do in your life, what he can do through you. Come on now, listen to me. What's up, Renee? How you doing? I thought he was coming to hit me. I, uh, I, just, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. Listen, YouTube is your worst enemy, bro. I was watching YouTube and I saw this pastor get hit by some guy, and now I'm like, I'm on point. I'm like, listen. Thank God Tito's in the house, amen? Somebody give a hand of applause for Tito. When he's in the house, I feel safe. Especially when I hear that voice, Nate, you need some gum? I'm like, yeah, give me some gum, bro. <laughs> I love this guy. So now here, we're going to go into the book of Numbers. And I want to talk to you because I believe that we were in the same season as the Israelites. In the book of Numbers, oh, God, uh, chapter 23. We're going to go to chapter 23 in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 23. But before I read this text, I want to give you just a little bit of history about what was going on with the people of Israel. As you guys know, the people of Israel was held in captivity. They was in Egypt, right? And God sent Moses, and he said, let my people go, right? And the Pharaoh decided that he was going to use his authority against, the, against God. And how many of you guys know that the enemy has no authority against God? That's why I laugh at people to try to intimidate me, bro. You don't intimidate me. I walk with the light of the God. God is in my heart. God is in my mind. God is in my spirit. I'm not intimidated by you. You can try to do whatever you want. It's not going to scare me. And that's how exactly you got to be when the enemy's trying to knock on your door and trying to bring fear in your life and try to tell you that you can't. Who says you can't? God says you could. God said that he'd make you unremarkable. He made you into a masterpiece. You just got to trust him. And that's what Pharaoh was doing. Pharaoh was using intimidation against Israel's people, right? So God sent Moses, and he told Moses, tell him, let my people go. And, and, and the Pharaoh said, and the Pharaoh said, and the Pharaoh said, so then what did God do? Right. God sent a number of plagues. Because how many times is the enemy going to try to stop God, stop God's purpose from happening amongst his people? You don't understand that that's what was happening to Calvary? That's what Calvary was going through? I wasn't in the season in Harlem, but I know a couple of people that were, and they talk about it all the time. Harlem was this great tabernacle. People used to come from all over the world. People used to come and preach, teach, dances. We used to have this ministry and that ministry, and I can tell that they were being effective for God. And whenever you're being effective for God, the enemy wants to try to destroy you. The enemy wants to try to hold you down. The enemy don't want you to break chains. Listen, my daughter's going through so much attacks. Naisha, why is she going through so much attacks? Because a couple months, a couple of weeks from now, she'll be graduating with her bachelor's. So, so, so I tell her, why do you think the enemy doesn't want to attack you? You're becoming a threat now to the generational curses 
that has been planted over your generations. And what's happening is that now you're breaking the chain, so the enemy now has to begin to try to stop you. The enemy will only stop when you begin to start to move and begin to start to break chains over generations, over your family. You think that you think you think the, the, the enemy wants you to have a fat wallet? Why do you think tithes and offering is so hard to do up here? Because it's the number one thing that the enemy loves to attack, especially in New York City. Why? Because New York City has this lavish lifestyle that when you look at people, they always got the best things on. They always have the nicest cars. It's hard to just live normal, right? When I go visit my brother in Boston, the biggest plateau in Boston is Walmart. I go, where you bought those sneakers from? Walmart. And then I begin to look at him like, I'm not going to Walmart to buy no sneakers. Where's Jimmy Jazz? Where's Dr. J's? Where's Hyperactive? Where's Nike? Where's BX Sports? And he goes, what is that? Exactly. What is that? The only reason why we know it is because he knows that if you're in New York City, the number one thing he wants to attack is your finances. He wants to keep you buying stuff. He wants to keep you doing certain things. He wants to keep you partying. Why do you think the lifestyle here doesn't stop until 3 o'clock? Because he knows that if he can get you outside until 3 o'clock, you'll make it late to work the next day. And you begin to lose your job. And what does that do? That keeps you back in the poverty section. It keeps you back in the unemployed section. It keeps you back in the section of lack. It keeps you back in the section of subtraction. But God is trying to tell you that if you put your trust on me, I got your back. Because the same way that he had the Israelites back, he's going to have your back. He said, greater works will you do in your day. So why won't God do amazing things through me and in me? The only way that he can do it is if I'm active in the kingdom of God, if I'm active in his word, if I'm abiding under the shadow of the most high God. You got to understand this. You're not going to be able to be effective in your workplace, in, your, in anything, if you don't begin to incorporate God into your life. He has to be in your life. You have to read the Bible. You have to memorize the verses. So when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, you can say, the spirit of the Lord will rise up a standard against him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You got to begin to understand that you are the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath. So when you begin to memorize those verses, the enemy can't attack your health. He can't attack your finances. He can't attack your home. He can't attack your job because you know who stands before you. And who stands before you? God Almighty. So, so, so Pharaoh tried to get all big and bad, and he didn't understand that Moses wasn't only coming through with his anointing, but he was coming through with the most high's anointing. My man turned the staff into a snake. You do that in front of me, I don't care who I'm with. I mean, take him. Take him. I mean, how worse can it get after that? You just turn a staff to a snake? Bro, take your people. I don't want them anymore. But, but, but Pharaoh was too prideful. The enemy is a prideful guy. And he'll keep hitting you until you begin to use God as your tool of breakthrough. I don't, even, I don't think they heard that. God, I don't want to call God a tool, but he could be your father of breakthrough. Amen? He could be your master of breakthrough. He can be your anointed one, your, your, your resurrection power, your savior, your redeemer, your everlasting God. I mean, he can be all things if you allow him to be all things. So Moses said, let my people go. You don't want to let them go? I'll be right back. God, he don't want to let his people go. Ten plagues, say no more. Locusts, frogs. We're going to put the water red, and it's going to smell so bad that your people won't even be able to drink from it. You know how bad water got to stink for you not to drink it? 
And he cursed the land. So much so that the people was in captivity. The people that was in, 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 in Egypt began to give them their riches. Like, yo, bro, get up out of here. You can take my chains, my sneakers, my Nike hoodie, my Bapinate hoodie. You can take all of that. Because I don't want my land to be cursed no more. So they began to give the same people that they were whipping with chains. The same people that they were beating up every night, probably raping every night, probably doing certain things too, kicking them, falling, hitting their head, dying because their head hit a stone. Those same type of people. Doesn't that remind you of somebody? Because when I talk about the people of Israel, I think about myself and the things that the enemy used to have me even do onto myself. I mean, the nights that I stood up doing drugs, the night that I stood up trying to I mean, not because you guys are going to look at me crazy. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is that the enemy really had me at a low place. Amen? He had me at a low place. And he wanted to keep me at a low place. He wanted to keep the people of Israel at a low place. But how many of you know that the God that you serve is amazing? He's not going to keep you. He's not going to keep you in a place of captivity. So the people had to go, right? Israel's people, now they, they march in. And then the Pharaoh, again, the pride came through. And now the pride is saying, okay, I got to go kill these people. So now he comes through with chariots. You know what a chariot is equivalent to this day? It will be probably like an MTA bus. Think about how much God loves you, that the enemy has to drive an MTA bus to try to destroy you. Think about the enemy like, stand clear of the closed doors, please. Just riding along trying to run you over because he knows that once you start getting closer to your purpose, you start becoming dangerous. You start becoming dangerous. And the good thing about it is that this is not just exempt for the people that just come to church. Man, I want to get into this thing, but I got to be able to come here and then go there. So I got to trust you, God. But, but, but the, way that I, the, the way that God did it was that now they, they, they leave the land. Moses parts the, the, the oceans. They're able to walk through. The Egyptians try to run after them. The water comes upon them. Thank you. I sweat because I'm fat and I'm hairy and I'm Spanish. <laughs> and it's really hot. This weather does not work good for me. I need to go to like North Antarctica or something like that. Somewhere cold with the polar bears. I didn't hear what he said. What did he say? Okay. <laughs> oh, I got it now. You said the fire of the Lord. Got it. Um. So now, so now his people, they go, through, they, they go through the ocean, the rivers part, I mean the ocean parts, the, the people of Egypt give John in. So now they're getting ready to go to where? Their promised land, the land that God has promised them. And God promised us the land, amen? Now I'm not only talking about the Israelites, I'm talking about us. Has God promised you some things? Has God said that he was getting ready to give you some stuff? How many of you can raise your hand and say, listen, I know what God has spoke over my life. God has spoke ministry. God has spoke businesses. God has spoke finances. God has spoke good health. God has spoke relationships. God has spoke kingdom connections. God has spoke. How many of you guys can say that God has spoken to me and said that I have a promise? Now, when, how many of you know that when God speaks a thing, it becomes law? God doesn't just speak it and just say it. Like me, I tell my wife, I love you. But I mean it, but sometimes we argue. So sometimes I might want, but then I come back. That's the type of love that I got with my wife. But the type of love that God has with me, the type of love that God has with her is very different. It's an agape love. It's a God, it's a love that never stops. It's a God, it's a love that never ceases. It's a love that never changes its mind. So that means that whenever you're in a low place or a high place, God doesn't change his mind about you. Listen, 
God could have easily said, my people are in captivity. As they fall, I'm going to go to another people. But God said, no, I spoke a word over these people. Oh, God, listen, man. I'm talking to Calvary Christian Fellowship. God said that he spoke to you. God promised you something. God promised this house something. God promised this pastor something. And even if the fire comes, even if the storms come, even if people rise up against you, because now the people of Israel was going to the promised land, which was the land of Canaan. And on their way there, they were just minding their business. Somebody turned to your neighbor and said, I'm just minding my business. Listen, I'm on my business every day. I keep my head down. I do my worship on my bus. I take the Uber. I talk nice to the Uber driver, even though it's an Uber pool and he takes me around the whole entire Bronx. Before I get to my destination and I get to meet everybody. I probably know just about every Uber driver in this whole borough. It's disgusting. But I like it when they give me that 50% off because instead of a $20 ride, it's a $7 ride. Used with cars don't understand what I'm talking about, but you can appreciate when that thing goes green and it says 50% off. <sighs> Amen. Listen. But what I'm saying is that they were minding their business. They were just trying to get to their promised land. The same way the Calvary is just trying to get to where we're going. We're just trying to get to where we want to be because God says he's going to take us somewhere. We're just minding our business. We're not bothering no other church. We're not bothering no other believers. If you come in here and you want to play in the band, then cool. But don't talk about Calvary. The, what did Calvary ever do to you? Calvary did nothing to you but just love on you, just treat you with love and bring you into the doors and show you what it's like to be loved with the love of God. No need to talk about Calvary. But why do people talk about Calvary? Because there is a calling over Calvary. Because there's a purpose over Calvary. And whatever, whenever there's a purpose, whenever there's a direction, whenever God's hand is upon it, the enemy's going to try to come in and attack it. And that's why you go through the attacks that you go through. It's not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're loving God. And the reason that you're part of Calvary, that's why you're being attacked. Because you are transitioning into a season of breakthrough, not only for yourself, but for everybody else that you're sitting next to. Think about it. Not only are you going to be blessed, but the person next to you is going to be blessed because the blessing is upon the house of God. So that's why you're going through the things that you're going through. It doesn't matter if you show up one week and don't come the next. The fact that you connect yourself for Calvary, you just walked into a natural blessing. Listen, I am not the same way I was 10 years ago, and you know it. Those of you that know me know that this is a different type of person. Why? Because I walked into a blessing. I walked into what God had for Calvary, and I trusted the process, and I stood the course. And as I stood the course, and as I stood on the ride, it was bumpy sometimes. I got into arguments with people sometimes. I went through some low seasons sometimes. I felt isolated sometimes. But man, as I kept coming, I kept getting stronger. And now the enemy has to try to do other things, has to rise up other things, and try to do this and try to do that. But how many of you guys know that whatever God blessed, the man cannot asunder? He could try to get you out of your job. He could try to get you out of relationship. He could try to get you out of friends. He could try to put you in the corner. But the fact is that you are right now in a season of transitional blessing. You are in a season of breakthrough. You don't understand what I'm saying. Why do you think Julio's getting attacked the way that he's getting attacked? Because those scriptures keep coming out. No matter what he does to him, the scriptures keep coming. 
I, I scratched myself. If you cut my legs off, I'm in a season of mourning. You cut his legs off, it's like he keeps getting stronger. I'm like, why can't you kill him? Because he's serving God, and God is the reason why he has the strength. Oh, man, you don't understand. I wish I can give it to you the way that I feel it, but I feel it in my spirit that the reason why you're going through everything that you're going through is because the enemy is trying to stop you from getting to your blessing, from getting to the transitional period. He don't want you to see Canaan. He's trying to blind you so you won't even look at that side. He wants to keep you on this side, the side of negativity, the side where nobody wants you, the side of depression, the side of anxiety, the side that everybody doesn't love you and nobody cares. He doesn't want you to be where people come in and you get embraced right away. People love you. People pray for you. People fast for you. People are loving on He don't want that. Why would he want that? Why? He should have killed me when he had the chance. He should have killed me when he had the chance. Because now it's too late. Now if I die, I know that I'm because he called me. Not because he called me. You don't understand. He should have killed me when I didn't know God. He should have killed me right there with those two bullets. And one of them should have hit me in the head because the minute that that bullet missed, God already knew I got a purpose for him. And it's going to be coming. And there's come a time. And I remember that when I was sitting there all depressed and thinking that I was nobody and I had insecurities and I couldn't read and I couldn't write. God was saying, bro, if you only knew the plans and purpose that I have for you. And that's exactly what God is saying today in this house. If you only knew the plans and purpose that I have for you. Turn to your neighbor and touch him on the arm and say, you got purpose. Turn to your other neighbor and say, there is a plan. How much time do I have? I don't even know where I'm at. How much time do I have? I don't know. I don't want to run my time. So listen, there is a plan in this house. And no matter what happens, people leave, the plan is still going to happen. I don't understand. The people still entered the promised land whether Moses was there or not. Just because Moses took them to a season didn't mean that he was going to be the reason that they entered. Just because some people leave, don't worry about it. Stand the course. Be a little patient. Trust a little more. Don't rely on other people because they're not with you right now. Don't rely on your bank account because it's their zero right now. Keep praising them. Keep thanking them. I remember when we lost... Two or two, one, two, three, four babies. I don't remember how many babies we lost. It was a lot. Why? Because he tried to destroy us. He tried to get right in the middle of the relationship. No, it was your fault that you lost it. No, it was your fault that you lost it. Those things happen in relationships. We live a real life. But we just kept trusting him. We just kept praising him. And I remember my wife staying up at night saying, God, you told me that I was going to have a baby and his name was going to be Malachi. You said that I was going to have a son. And until that day happens, I'm not going to stop praying for my son. Some of you guys stop praying too early. You got to keep trusting that process. You got to keep praying the prayers. Lord, I believe that my son is coming back. I believe that my daughter is coming back to Christ. I know that my mom is going to be. Come on, guys. You guys got to keep trusting God. Do it all. I still remember that feeling of looking at my wife and how she felt when she lost that baby. And from that day, I just kept praying, God, I know that you're a miraculous God. You can do the supernatural. I don't care what the doctors say, what report they're telling my wife that she can't can't hold the baby down. I don't believe none of that. I'm going to stand on the promise that you said I was going to have, that she was going to have, that my house was going to have. And this is what type of pastor you have. He didn't run in a season of fire. He stood in a season of fire. 
I'm about to run out this church. They're not understanding me. You guys are not understanding the type of breakthroughs in this house because you're not understanding the type of leader you guys have. When you have somebody that can stand through a fire, then you got something good beside you. Because a lot of people will run to the bigger churches. I know I got a degree. I work in the DOE, so I know what people do. They leave jobs every day because they got a degree and they could go to another school. But how many of them stay? How many people actually stay? And this is what God is telling me today. He's telling me that if you stay here at Calvary, you will go through some things. You will be battling some things. But the same God that took Israel out of Egypt is going to be the same God that's going to be able to take you from the season that you're in into the next season that you're going to be getting ready to enter in. But you got to trust me. It's not the house. It's the anointing in the house. Woo! Listen, it's not the ministers. It's not the preachers. It's not the pastor. It's just that there's an anointing here. And the reason why sometimes you feel like you want to run is because God, because the enemy doesn't want you to be here. Because the minute that God begins to take us into that next level, ooh, watch out. Ooh, watch out. Because not only will your next level exalt in the church building, but it will exalt in the workplace. It will exalt in your relationships. It will exalt in your friendships. Listen, I didn't know how to be a friend before I got here. Now I'm learning. See, there's a progress here. Whenever there's transition, the transition always tries to stop you from going this way. From go- I'm sweating that much that I'm squeaking on the floor? Wow, I'm losing weight for real. All right, guys, I'm going to fast forward this because I don't, I don't want to run over time. I said I wasn't going to preach for long, but let's just go to the scripture. Um, verse 23, uh, chapter 23, it says, then, man, chapter 23, what you're talking about? Chapter 23, Numbers 23, sorry, Numbers 23, verse 1, right? And it says, and it says then Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stand by your burnt offering and then I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to destroy, I mean, he went to a high, desolate height, and God met Balaam, and he said to him, I have prepared the seven altars, and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and said, return to Balak, and thus shall, and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him, and there he was, standing by his burnt offering, he and all the priests of Moab. So now we can understand that Balak was a man that ba- uh, Balaam was the man that Balak was going to choose because the people were rising up against Israel. Israel was getting ready to enter into the sea, into the land of Canaan. So as they were walking towards Canaan, Israel was a very, very big, big, big people. They wasn't considered a nation. They wasn't there trying to tell people, "Oh, we're the nation of Israel." They were just trying to get to where God told them to go. 
right? And as they were walking, people began to rise up against them. Different tribes, different nations began to rise up against them. There was one of the tribes was King Shion. King Shion was one of the, the armies that began to rise up against the people of God, right? And the only thing that King Shion had against the Israelites was like, we heard what happened over here in Egypt, so why are they coming over here? Okay, so you're going to come over here. Okay, why are you coming into my territory? So the people of Israelites said, listen, we don't want any problems, okay? We just want to walk through to get to where we're going to go. So we're just going to go through the king's highway, and we're just going to get to where we need to go. We're not going to start no trouble. Just let us get to where we need to go. And the king, Shion, said, no. So now we're just going to go to war, and we're going to kill you. So King Shion rose up an army against the people of Israel. And guess what happened? King Shion lost very badly. So now as the people of Israel begin to move on to the next side to try to get to Canaan, now here comes this king called the King OG. I promise you I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. Tony, back me up here. I call him OG. Can I call him OG? Can I get away with that? <laughs> Can you, I don't know, can you show the name? Is the name? Because it, why does Tony have to pick on me when I'm up here? Can you show the name King Og? I didn't even, honestly, I really thought it was OG. So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there this morning like, yo, King OG, that's fire. Like, I know this is the Old Testament God, but this is mad real to me right now. Yo, I'm telling you, yo, I had a blast this morning. Like, you don't understand. And I was like, wait until I go up there. I'm going to be like, yo, there's an OG in the freaking Bible, yo. <laughs> Can you show it already? Because I'm going through it. I don't want them to think I'm crazy. I'm really serious. It's in Numbers, uh, Numbers 21, verse 33. Numbers 21, verse 33. Come on, know your Bible back there. I don't even know who this is back there. Nah, I love you. It's a joke. It's a bad joke. Because I'm King OG. Now I'm just playing. <laughs> Come on, show it. Show it. All right, here we go. Is that it? No, go down. Verse 33. Okay, so now you know I'm not playing when I say this. It says, and they turned and went up by the way to Bashan. Is that Bashan? Did I say it right? Or is it Bashan? Because in, in the projects, we say Bashan. Bashan? Okay. So... So, OG, king. Y'all thought I was playing, right? Now y'all know. Okay. That's all I wanted to show. So, king OG, Etiliogen is Og. I like my version better. So, here we go. So, king OG was one of the most feared kings out of all these little, you know, places and tribes. Well, it wasn't really little. It was kind of big. So, he was one of the most feared ones. So, Moses went before God. It's like, man, we just had another fight. With, with, with another territory, and now we're going to get ready to go into the, the land that you promised us, and now you're telling me I got to go into another fight with a feared king? I want to read you what God said. Go to verse 34. Verse 34. Let's read it together, right? Everybody knows how to read, right? And I'm just joking, I'm joking. Here we go. Right here, right here, verse 33, 34. Ready? Let's read it together. Ready? Okay, here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, do not fear him, for I have delivered him into your hand with all his people and his land. And you shall do to him as you did to who? King Shion. Uh, of, there you go. One of those words. So what does that mean? 
What does that mean? That means that being that the fire didn't destroy Calvary, the enemy's trying to rise up other things to try to destroy Calvary. But the thing about it is that the enemy doesn't try to change the tactic. The tactic is still to destroy you. Listen to this. The tactic is still to destroy you. The point is to try to stop you from preaching. The point is to try to stop you from being the pastor. The point is to try to stop you from being the minister. But you cannot let him win. Oh, God, listen to this. The, the, the fact that you might not be fully effective in the church doesn't mean anything because there's still somebody that looks up to you. Somebody that still mentors you. Those relationships are still important because you don't know when that day can come that you bring them to church and they receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. So the enemy will try to come in and try to destroy that relationship. And those are the type of relationships that you have to protect. Those are the type of relationships you have to cultivate. Why? Because you, there's a promise here. And the promise is not exempt just to Nate Medina or Pastor Victor Nazario or Elder Ross. The, the promise is for each and every one of you. So here we go. So the people of Israel get out of Israel. They get out of Egypt. 420 years of being beat up and in slavery. They go and they cross the river. They begin to rejoice. Now, after the rejoice comes the fight. You will never get to the place of promise without a fight. You have to get your fight back. You have to get your fight back. You have to get your fight back. You have to get your fight back, especially when there's a season of transition. Because this transition can destroy you if you're not ready for it. If the people of God weren't ready for the transition, they would have gave up in the first war. They would have gave up in the first battle. But they were ready for what's coming. Because 420 years proved that they were ready for it. They were like, no, 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 I'm good. No more slavery. I want my promise. And you probably spent 30-something years in slavery. You probably spent 20-something years in slavery, 14 years in slavery. It doesn't matter because that type of mentality is not exempt to an age. You, I know kids that are going through pregnancy right now, and they're 13. I know kids that are strung out in drugs, and they're like 12. I know kids that already have harassment charges, and they're 11. The enemy doesn't play nice with people. He doesn't say, I'm going to get this one and forget about this one. He doesn't do that. He tries to stop you before you even wake up. And this is why it's important to pray over our children. This is why I love to serve in the youth ministry. Because I want to be that first line of defense for my kids. (laughs) I told my wife, the reason why I feel the way I feel the other day, I was in the emergency room, y'all. Right after we took the kids to the movies. Why? Why wouldn't he want to try to attack my health? He don't want me to be effective in this church. Take Nate out. It's too late. I believe too much. I trust him too much. I praise him too hard. I wake up and worship. I go to sleep and worship. I praise him through the good. I praise him through the bad. Sometimes even when I'm, you know, hanging out with my friends, I'm, I'm praising them too because I'm trying to get them to come to church. No matter where I go, I'm trusting God through it all. And that's where the people of God were at. God had to tell Moses, listen, the same way you beat them people up, you're going to beat this guy up. You want to know why? Because I made a promise to you. And whatever God makes a promise, he has to keep it. 
So now we go into this place where they enter after they kill King OG. They go into the place of Moab right before Jericho. How much time do I have? Right before Jericho. Does anybody know what happened in Jericho? Yeah, what happened? The what? The what? <laughs> Listen, I believe that something is going to happen supernatural in that, in, in, in that dinner. I believe that God is getting ready to break some walls in this house. It might just be me. I'm okay to stand alone because I've stood alone for a long time. But I believe that God is getting ready to do something in this house that's, oh my God. I'm telling you because if you go and you ask the people next to you, are you battling something? They're going to tell you yes. Why are you getting, why are you getting hit so much? It's because you're getting closer to the promise. And it's funny because that's why the enemy is attacking me and my wife. That's why he's attacking my house. Because we're getting closer to our promise. We're getting closer to our promise. I'm pretty sure as your album begins, can I get a, a spot on your album too? Because I know Spanish. I can. Arregate. My audition. Now, I'm going to give you my favorite one. This is all jokes aside. Si tu tienes fe. Como un grano de mustaza. Eso lo dice señor. Man, Pastor, he wasn't here. They sang that song. I almost lost it. almost lost it. I kept it cool. I'm trying to be like you, you know? I'm just not really doing a good job at it. <laughs> I really suck at being a pastor. Exactly. I'm learning. So what happened? They finally, they, they, they got two wars down. Now they're getting closer to the walls coming down. So now, of course, the king already heard. The king of Moab already heard. This Balak king. That name is garbage anyway. I would never fear a new name, Balak. You know, is that you walk in the hood and be like, yo, Balak is looking for you. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, where he at? Where he at? But this is some small dude like, yo, come here, Nate. Come here, Nate. I can't believe I got up that fast with no hands. Y'all saw that. <laughs> All right, that's it. Stop. <laughs> Jesus. I'm dead fat too. My knee buckled and everything when I got up. But um, I'm about to land the plane. So what happened? So here we go. They go into, they go into Moab. Now this kid named Balak, the little midget, decides that he know he can't be God's people by himself. Oh, God. I'm preaching to myself too, so I'm feeling it a little bit. Sorry. All right. Um, so he knows that he cannot be God's people by himself, right? So he calls upon this, this prophet named Balaam that he heard that whenever he blesses, whatever he blesses is blessed. And whatever he curses becomes cursed. So, so, so Moab, even though he's a midget, he's kind of smart. Because he's thinking ahead. He goes, once these people come here, they're going to eat all my herd. They're going to make my land desolate and my people are going to just die and starve. I got to kill these guys. So what does he do? He tries to use something 
against his people. But he didn't realize that he called upon a prophet that believed in Yahweh. And the funny part about this, this is what began to preach to me, was that this prophet, Balaam, was not an Israelite. So I began to question that, like, God, you're you telling me that this, this man, that, that the prophet, this prophet guy was not a, a, a man of God, so then how did he call you Yahweh? I didn't understand it because I'm only thinking that the people of Israel knew who God was at the time, right? Because everybody served other gods, Baal and, you know, all these other stuff. So I'm thinking, like, how did this prophet know that you are Lord when he wasn't even a part of your people? You need to teach me that one day. I'm serious because I didn't understand where, the, where, where it happened. I went searching for it. I just didn't fully understand it. But then God began to speak to me about grace. He began to speak to me about that because it's, this is for somebody here today. A lot of you guys feel like God cannot use you. A lot of you guys feel like God doesn't love you. Or God doesn't care about you. Or he's forgotten you because of the things that you've done. Or the things that you're doing. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't worry about those things. The only thing he worries about is your heart. And he wants you with him. And he can even use you to save a life. Here comes this Balaam guy. And just a little history about Balaam. Balaam was like a greedy prophet. He, he wanted riches. So whenever somebody hired them, he said, if the money's right, I'll bless them. And if the money's wrong, I'll curse them. But if the money's right and you want me to curse them, I'll curse them too. As long as the money's right. But he was still a man after God's heart. He knew who God was. So he did some of the work. At least from my understanding of the scripture. So then, so then I go to this part, and he begins, and then now, Balak uses riches against the prophet. And when he sends for the prophet, not only does he send for the prophet with the high priest of Moab, but he also comes to the prophet with the riches. And I said, God, that's interesting. Because the enemy knows our weakness. Moab, the, the king of Moab, Balak, was actually pretty smart. He was strategic. Because not only did he understand that the people of God were coming and they were getting ready to take over, even if they didn't want to because they were coming peacefully, he knew what time it was. So he said, I got to try to get this guy on my side because I need this weapon of destruction here. If I, got, if I get him to agree with me and curse them, I might have a chance to get rid of God's people. So then... He said, I know this prophet and I heard this prophet has a situation with money. So when you go to him, go to him with finances. So they came to him with gold. And I find it funny that when they arrived, he wasn't fully, he wasn't fully being active in that prophecy stage. He, like he wasn't prophesying at that point. He, he knew who God was, but he wasn't active. So when they come to his house, they go, listen, uh, Balaam, I need you to come with me because the, the king of Moab wants to see you. He wants you to curse Jacob's people. He wants you to curse the people of God. He wants you to curse Calvary Christian Fellowship. So what happens is that he begins to speak to this prophet, and the prophet says, hold up, wait a minute. Let me go up to God, and let me ask him if this is okay. And this is how I knew that God can use anybody. Because I know a lot of hood people that love God. Just because they don't come to church doesn't mean that they don't pray. 
Just because they're not serving doesn't mean they don't love him or acknowledge him as so. So they go up to this Balak guy and they're thinking that this is going to be an easy thing. I want you to come and curse God's people, but he had a conviction already with God in his heart. So he went before who? Be careful whose advice you seek. Be careful. Before you run, pray. Before you're running because somebody's offering you a lot of money, pray about it first. Before you're trying to get into a relationship, pray about it first. Before you're getting ready to leave your wife, pray about it first. Before before you hit your kid. Some of these women in here are like, amen, Jesus. I'm going to pray, then hit him. I'm going to pray, then put my hands on the kid. I know, I know a parent teaching night was the other day, and I saw kids humbled in school like, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, class, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and the thing that I could respect about Balaam was that he knew that he had to go to God. And when God answered him, God said, no, do not go, do not go, send them back. So Balaam said, go back. Now, Moab was like, he said no to the money? No to the money. I need to get these people out of here. I need to get rid of these people. They're too dangerous. If they get too close to me, they're going to destroy me. Man, if they wake up and they know who they are, I have no chance. If they wake up, I won't be able to attack their children no more. If they wake up, their kids can't have evil dreams no more. If they wake up, their finances won't be in the shambles no more, man. I got to try to get rid of these guys. If they wake up, they're going to start having jobs, getting degrees, having good relationships, laughing. I don't want them laughing. Man, if they wake up, man, if they come around here, they're going to get to the promise. I don't want them to get to the promise. How am I going to take them out? So this is what I need you to do. I need you to double the load of the money and go to Balaam again and tell him I need to see him because he needs to curse these people for me. So double the money and make sure you bring all my important people with him so he can see that I'm serious. And this spoke to me because my level of attacks have been getting bigger. I don't know. I know for a fact. You understand. The level of attack is getting stronger. Can anybody, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Uh, can I, gotta, I gotta do it like that, I'll do it like that. But, the, but it's funny because if the first attack doesn't work, then he's going to try to increase it. So now he sends them back, the important people. So now some of the principalities are coming after you. Some of the real high demons are coming after you because, because, because you're getting close. So this is why your blood pressure has been up. This is why the lack of sleep. Man, I'm getting too deep and I'm like, I'm in the place. I'm like, this is why the arguing. This is why the anxiety and the frustration. This is why. Because you're getting closer. Closer. You're like, right? And he's bringing the attacks higher and higher 
and higher. But how many of you guys know that the devil's already defeated? You serve under the victorious one, the undefeated, undisputed Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the one that wrote from the beginning all the way to the end. And, and he sent these people after him. And, 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 and Balaam is like, all right, you know what? Let's go for it, right? He went and he said, I'm going to go. But when I go, I want you to know that I'm going to say exactly what God says. I didn't give you the title of my preaching because I wanted to wait to the end. You thought that I probably didn't know. I'm waiting to the end to give you the title. The title of this sermon is Blessing Upon Blessing. Blessing Upon Blessing. Why? Because what the enemy tried to use for his glory, God is going to turn it around for his glory. God, Jesus, Lord, help me close this thing. I got seven minutes and 39 seconds. So here we go. So now we get to the first prophecy. And the first prophecy, Balaam tells him, I went before God, and this is what God told me to say. He said, and God met Balaam, and he said to him, I have prepared the seven altars. What does the number seven mean? What? Completion. God is getting ready to do something in this house. Not only is God getting ready to complete something here, he's going to complete something here. Something here. Why was it seven? <laughs> they were getting ready to go into the promised land. It's so much, this is deep. And he says, Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him, and there he was, standing by his burnt offering, he and all those high priests of Moab. And he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come denounce Israel. And, and, and this is what he said. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Yo, I just picture that little midget, um, Balaam's face. Like, like he, he's like, yo, he's about to come back with a word. Balaam is about to come back with that word. He met God. He's coming back, man. He spoke to him. He's about to come back with that word. He's going to curse my foes. And here comes, here comes Balaam, and he does the complete opposite of what that enemy was expecting. Hey, listen, the enemy was expecting for you to quit. The enemy was expecting for you to stop being effective. The enemy was expecting for you to cry, cry, be depressed, and kill yourself. The enemy was expecting for you to do certain things and give up and say, this is it. There's no more point of having life. I just might as well quit now. So the enemy thought that you was going to do that. But what you did was the complete opposite of that. You said, I'm not going to let this be the season that I'm going to wither. I'm going to be able to stand on what God promised me. I'm going to trust God through it all. And I'm going to fight through this thing. So then so Balaam came down and he said, listen, I got to say what the Lord told me to say. So this is what he told me to say. How can I curse what God has not cursed. How do you want me to denounce what God has not denounced? You see, the enemy has some bad intentions for you. And he's even trying to rise up people against you. 
But it will never happen. Why? Because God hasn't cursed you. God hasn't denounced you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you. He is a loving father. He cares about you. And what happened was that the king Balak was like, yo, I'm finally going to get my peace. These people are going to die. They're going to wither away. We're going to be able to take over. And here comes Balaam. He gives them the bad news. Keep, let, keep, let, let, read, let, read this with me. He says, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, reminding him where he took them from. You told me to come here to curse these people, right? And, and then now here, here goes. For the mountains of the east, curse, I mean, come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse who, whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom God has not denounced? From, from the top of the rocks, I see him. And from the hills, and from the hills, I behold him. There are a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Meaning those people are humble, bro. Leave them alone. They're not messing with you. They're just trying to get to where God said they were going to go. Where did God say they were going to go? To the place of Canaan, the promised land. Exactly where God said you were going to go. Your promised land. This house is the promised land. This, this church is your promised land. This is where you're supposed to receive the breakthrough in your life. This is where you're supposed to receive the graces, the mercies, the tears. Why? Because when you're in this house, you're going to be more effective. Now listen. Listen, listen. Calvary's not cursed. God didn't denounce Calvary. Pastor, turn around. Look. God didn't curse it. God didn't denounce it. God blessed it. God spoke to it. God breathed into it. God said, no, this is good and very good. Don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about who comes. Just know that I am in the house. Oh, man. Yo. Oh, man. So it says, so it says, who who, 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 who can count the dust of Jacob or the number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die in the death of the righteousness and, and, and the death of the righteousness and let the end be like this. Then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? Yo, what type of king is that? He came through with confidence and now he's talking in weakness. My stupid face. I'd be looking at people. <laughs> you mad or nah? <laughs> Yo, you mad or nah? Church, you never say he's mad or nah. He's mad or nah. I don't care. I'm going to be mad petty right now. I don't care. You're mad or nah. The enemy, are you mad or nah? Devil, are you mad or nah? Why are you crunchy right now? Why are you so sour? You mad mad. Because you expected me for me to give up. And I didn't. Because God didn't denounce me. He didn't curse me. He put blessings upon blessings upon blessings upon blessings. And I'm going to end it like this. You may stand up. I'm closing out. Where's my piano guy? Brandon, you wear tight pants and tight shirts now and you, you get here slow. I need you to speed it up. Be on point with me. I got a minute and 22 seconds left. Come on, B, I love you. <laughs> That's my brother. I love him. He knows that. Got to pick on him a little bit. <laughs> Pastor said your pants are tight, right? <laughs> Yo, Brandon, you mad or not? Nah? <laughs> Amen. 
How many of you guys, did you guys get anything out of this? Appreciate it. I'm not going to lie to you. This is, this is difficult for me. You guys think that it's easy for me to get up here. It's very hard. I go through a lot of spiritual warfare when I preach. A lot. And sometimes I don't even see what pastor sees or what elder sees or what Minister Mickey saw. I don't see none of that. I be thinking that I be messing up. But I got to trust him. Like he has done so much for me. I got to trust him. Got to trust him. If I pray that you got something out of this, I want to end it. In good terms, because here we go. Then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? That's how the enemy's talking right now. Nate, what have you done to me? I don't care. God is using me. I'm going to trust him. So if you mad, then be mad. If you crunchy, then be crunchy. Leave my house alone. Leave my church alone. Leave my pastor alone. Leave my children alone. Leave my co-laborers alone. Leave them alone. So be crunchy in your corner. Cry. Rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. Rebuke him out of my life, out of my heart. Any, any void that's in my heart right now, God, fill it up. In Jesus' name, I rebuke him. Rebuke that devil out of my life, out of my generation, out of the schools, out of the neighborhoods, out of the streets, out of marriages, out of, out of, out of minds, out of mentalities. Right now, I rebuke you. Every region, I, I come against it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, start to pray in Jesus' name. The devil is saying, what have you done to me? Lord, this, what did you do to the devil? He mad. He mad. Man, what have you done to him? What have you done to him, Pastor. Ah, what have you done to him? What have you done to him? What have you done to him? With the beautiful bow tie, what have you done to him? He's mad that you're in this house right now. He tried to keep you out there. He didn't want you to hear this word. He mad right now. That's what you did to him. Melly, what have you done to him? I don't know who that is, but that gentleman is cute. Amen. No homo, I don't like men, I, love, I got a wife. <laughs> but I appreciate you being here. So I'm going to ask you, what have you done to him? Carmen, turn around. Look at all that you did to him. Janice, look at what you did to him. You're still carrying the baby, right? Julio, if you're watching, I know he mad at you. Woo! I know he mad at you. Good job. Turn to your name and say, good job. Turn to your name and say, keep him crunchy. And he says, then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you have blessed them. Now look at this word right here. You know when God says that he wants to give you a breakthrough that's pressed down, shaking.
It says, I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you have blessed them bountifully. The Lord has blessed you bountifully. Lift up your hands in the sky. Lift up your hands and say, just thank you, God. I worship you. Daniel, come here, boy. Hurry up. Take that. Come on. Begin to just thank God. God, I just thank you. Because I know that my battles are won already, God. I thank you that my battles are won. I'm not losing. I'm winning. Even when it feels like, even when it looks like I'm losing, I'm winning. Because I'm standing in the promise that God has for me. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight. I need a mic. I need a mic. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight. Say that to yourself. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to fight. No matter what. In Jesus' name. He said, he said, and you have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? God is not cursing you. God is not trying to destroy you. He's not trying to kill you. You might be going through a season of hurt. You might be going through a season of loss. You might be going through a season of pain. But it's not because he hates you. It's not because he's forgotten about you. It's not because you're a nobody. God doesn't make garbage. He makes beautiful portraits that look amazing. Better than the Mona Lisa. Better than any picture. Better than any portrait. God has made you and you are made fearfully and wonderfully made. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're not struggling. There is no poverty over your life. There is no struggle. There is no lack. There is no anxiety. There is no depression. Right now, we come against it right now in the name of Jesus. We call forth breakthrough. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through Jesus for the pulling down of strongholds, to cast down every vain imagination that comes against the will of God. So, Lord, right now, we bring down every stronghold, God, in Jesus' name. We bring it down right now in Jesus' name. We bring it down right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper, God. Right now, we're in a season of transition, Lord. But you are with us, Lord. So no matter if Sheon or OG, Og rises up against us or Balak rises up against us, your word that you have spoken over us shall rise in this time, Lord. So I thank you, the Lord, as we begin to stand through the trial and the test and the, and the battles, God. We are trusting you through it all. Because we're getting ready for Jericho. We're getting ready for those walls to come down, God. Woo. The walls didn't come down with weapons. And this is what God is trying to teach you. The walls did not come down with weapons. They did not come down with guns, spears, knives, none of that. The walls came down with worship. Oh, God. The walls came down with praise. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I, I pray right now that you'll give him strength to, to speak, to teach of God over his life. Great is you that he that is in the world. God, I thank you. Listen to that song right now in Jesus' name. Same song that you were Here I am to worship. 
say that you're my guy You're all together lovely All together worthy All together wonderful to me Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're all together worthy All together worthy All together wonderful to something out of this. I need you guys to come to the front. I need you guys to come to the front. I need you guys to come to the front. If this was for you, you need to be right here in the front. Come on, come on now. Come on now. You got something out of this. Come up here. Come up here. Wow. God, you're good and your mercy endures forever, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Daniel. Let's touch the green. Daniel, come on. 
Hallelujah. Lord God, I thank you, Father, that you spoke to us today, Lord. I thank you that right now you're healing hearts. Right now that you're breaking chains, God. Lord, you're restoring relationships. You're bringing back together marriages, God. You're changing mindsets, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that your miracles are true. Your miracles are happening right now in this house, God. I thank you that, Lord, whatever void is in whatever heart you're feeling right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we touch and agree, God. Wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you will be, God. So you're in this house, Lord. You inhabit in the praises of your people, God. So I thank you for you being here. I thank you for you being present. Now we need you to minister to your people, God. Have your way with your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, for what's getting ready to happen in this house, God. And as we open up our mouth, Lord, in the next 10 seconds, I want you to open up your mouth. I'm going to count to 10. And I want you to say, walls come down in Jesus' name. Walls come down in Jesus' name. You ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Walls come down in Jesus' name. worship. Thank God that there is a season of breakthrough right now. Open up your mouth and thank him right now. In Jesus name. Come on man. We overcome by the power. We overcome by the power of Jesus. We overcome by the power of God. We thank you that Father you're making a way where there is no way God. Thank you Father. You made a way where there is no way God. We thank you Father that there is no more lack. Answer our prayers right now. We thank you Father. We worship you in Jesus' name. Jesus, hallelujah. Don't stop praising. Come on, come on. The Spirit of God is here. Um, you guys are friends, correct? This group right here. How close-knitted are you? Your family. All of you. God was showing me, my God, that you have no idea what God is going to do through you and in you. There are certain, you're part of them, aren't you? Girl, you're included too. 
The power of God has drawn you to this house. You may know someone that drew you here. Carmen, correct? You have no idea that God is the one that brought you. You love your mother. You love her with all your heart. You've seen her suffer. You've seen her go through what, but what spoke to you the most is the love that she had for God. That no matter what she went through, she hung on. And you could not understand it. Through the, you've seen her at her lowest. But you've seen her faith. You've seen her strength through God. Know that what's in you, what God has deposited in you, is what's going to draw people to God because it's going to draw them to you. And you're going to speak what God wants to say. These people never knew God. They may say, I know of him, but they're not going to know God till God uses you. But it's going to take your commitment. It's, it's going to be like a fish swimming against the current because you know what it is to want to be accepted by whoever it is. But God has brought you to the place where you know that that's not where you belong. That this in the kingdom of God is where you belong. This is where God has called you. My God, I'm trembling because you have no idea the power of God, especially you. You don't speak a lot. You keep your feelings to yourself. But you want to tell the rest of them what God has spoken to you. What God has shown you. I don't know if you're afraid of what they'll say. I don't know if you think that their perception of you will change not for the better. But understand that you're the glue. You're the glue that draws the rest of them. Carmen. Oh, Jesus. All your prayers for them. All your prayers. All those nights that you wondered where they were. You were afraid that you lost them somewhere along the line. But God says, I heard you when no one else did. I heard you. And I had held them safe. Because I have a purpose. I have a plan that has never changed. You may have doubted. But my word will not go forward without results. My word never lies. Jesus, hallelujah. This is the fruit of your prayers. This is the fruit of your intercession. This is the fruit of your tears. This is the fruit of your cry. I have heard you, daughter. I have not forsaken thee. Know that I will give the words 
I will show them who I am. Jesus. Note the day and the hour that this is said. Because God will not speak without fruit coming out. This fruit will produce. And you will see the fruit of your labor. You will see if you will only commit and know who God is this day. Jesus. In Jesus' name. Lord, let's just extend our hands and let's pray. Jesus. Father, thank you because you've shown how much of a father you really are. Especially when one is a single parent and has to do this, what we think is by ourselves. But Lord, what we fail to recognize sometimes, Lord, as that when the father is physically absent, you are ever present, Lord. Father, and you know, Lord God, the cry of a mother. You know, Lord Father, that we do not faint in our perseverance. We may, Father, fall, but we will pray that our children will stand strong, whether it be through health issues, whether it be through peer pressure, whether it be through sickness, whether it be, Lord Father, when someone wants to draw my child away, Father, you are there. And you have a hook that will draw them back. So, Father, I pray they receive this word today. You seal it in the heart. Father, and when they begin to doubt, that you will remind them who they are. That you will remind them that Jesus also died for them. That the blood of your son is not too far away. That it cannot reach those who do not know you. So, Father, I pray you begin now that you stir them up. Lord, that, Lord, you won't even let them sleep. If someone needs you, Lord God, that they will know to be more sensitive to your spirit, that they will be able to be guided by you and only you. Lord, that they will be able to discern those who are trying to draw them away and that they will stand firm and say, not here. No, not here. Father, seal it. Seal it in their hearts. Seal it in their mind. Seal it in their spirit. I pray for Carmen, Lord, that you will continue to give her the words of wisdom to speak over them and even remind them of who you are. Father, that there will be no obstacle because you are the one who guides you are the one who leads you are the one who takes them through the waters as Moses parted the water I seal it now even for those Lord God who you are speaking that they will touch I pray for them prepare their hearts Lord prepare their hearts begin the conviction now Lord God that they need you like never before In Jesus' name, I pray these things. In Jesus' name, Lord.
as Nate was ministering, um, some of the vernacular, some of his, his words, some of the way he shared his stuff for me seemed foreign. It seemed different. And I was saying, dear God, uh, truly we are a generational church. And the Lord was just showing me that um, you, you men and you women of this generation, you have an anointing uh, that is going to reach a lot more people than I'm going to be able to reach. You're, you're physical, you're strong, you're young, um, you have wisdom that I don't possess. So what I'm sensing of God is just to impart to you the, the anointing that I have, but you're going to take it your way. See, I always told Nate, be yourself. I never told him, preach like me. No, he's, he's got to reach his generation. And today, I mean, OG. <laughs> just, <laughs> oh my, right? <laughs> but uh, amazing, it's just amazing. I, I put you a little bit on my Facebook, so some of my people thought I was preaching, and then they saw you preaching. But let me, I'm just going to, I'm going to pray over you guys. Because there's an anointing. You have strength. I can see those muscles right there. But your greater anointing is within. And when I pray over you, something about the anointing I have is transferable. And I don't do this lightly. I'll, I'll only do that when God instructs me to do that. And I sense to pray that today. Hallelujah. So I, I want all of you to raise up your hands. So Father, I pray over this generation. Lord, I'm deeply honored. I, I'm, I'm blown away that you're, gener you're, you're raising up a generation of modern-day Daniels, modern-day uh, Josephs, modern-day Joshuas, who are not afraid of the enemy. They're just not. They're just not afraid. They're not afraid of the tactics of the enemy. They can read between the lines, and they know what's truth, what's lie. They have a sensitivity and a discernment where you can't speak bull to them. You have to speak reality. So, my God, I thank you that you've given me the privilege to be able to partake in this. So, Lord, the anointing that you've given me to be able to preach and teach and to prophesy and, and to share the word of the Lord. Today, I, I anoint them and I say, receive. Receive, receive, receive. Receive, receive, receive. Receive, 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 receive. receive. From this moment on, from this moment on, I activate, I activate the anointing of God. I activate the gifts of God that are in you. This moment, I activate the grace, the grace that's upon you. I say from this moment forward, the word of the Lord is going to come to you. From this moment forward, you're going to sense the grace of God, the wisdom of God. You're going to sense, you're going to start hearing God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive right now. Your life is never going to be the same. Hallelujah. This is a moment the Lord says that I'm turning it around. 
This is the moment that I have declared that you will rise up as a mighty warrior. You will rise up as the man of God, the woman of God, because I have declared that you will take the land. This is what I'm hearing. Those that had the nerve to say, I'm not interested in seeking God. I'm not interested in what God has for me. God is saying, I'm taking what I would have given to them, and I'm giving it to you. And then, they're going to live long enough to see what they missed. And some of the people that have criticized you in the past are going to start to see you coming into a high place and they're going to come back to you and they're going to apologize to you. And they're going to, see, I want, they're going to say, I want what you have. So get ready. Get ready! Hallelujah! Because God's going to do this. Praise God. Hallelujah! Come on, give him some praise in the house. Yes! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you're a transgenerational God. You're the God of Isaac, Jacob, Hallelujah of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Glory to God. Before you were even born, God already thought you out. He mapped you. He planned you out. He planned this day. Before you were ever born. This is not something that God just thought, oh, yeah, let me, let me, no, no. Already said. The word you heard today is probably the most non-religious message I've ever heard in my life. Yet it contained some of the most amazing pearls I took my part you take your part amen give, some, give at least five people a high five tell them you are blessed and you are honored what God has blessed no man can curse come on hallelujah amen 